congressional control of the Fed's administrative budget, the gradual creep of GAO audits closer toward the monetary policy area, and, more generally, legislative action to limit the Fed's administrative independence, can most easily be fended off only when the institution is considered to be as pure as Caesar's wife. It is quite difficult, of course, to convince the world of one's purity. Purity always coexists with some impurities. In any event, some observers are naturally cynical, whereas others, because of their background and the nature of their particular institutional responsibilities, see the Fed through something akin to tunnel vision. For instance, some people such as, on occasion, influential congressmen in the banking area and congressional staffers, seem to have seen the Fed as an institution that, in its practices, helps the rich, harms the poor, and seeks to preserve the position of a banking system dominated by large banks that exploit small borrowers and probably anyone else they can. Perhaps I am exaggerating a bit, but the feeling tones are right, and I believe became very evident at times in congressional debates and resolutions in the long course of discussions leading up to the new reform legislation meant to ensure that a great credit crisis is not repeated, or at least ensure to the degree that one can, in the face of experience that tells us the future is essentially unpredictable and no financial systems and structures have ever been foolproof. In any event, during my years there, I did not perceive the Fed as biased toward the large and rich and against the small and poor. The system is not oriented in that direction. Its objectives and the reach of the power delegated to it by the Congress are quite different. Its monetary policies are aimed at the economy as a whole, attaining price stability and encouraging economic growth. They are not and cannot, in the nature of the case, be aimed at such big socio-economic issues as income distribution, economic welfare, and social fairness, over which the Fed has no control or direct influence and for which it has no mandate. On the regulatory side, its policies are mainly designed to maintain the competitiveness, safety, and integrity of the banking system, including bank holding companies, under the guidelines set in law. When given authority by Congress, the Fed has exerted an influence on such specific social-type issues as ensuring truth in lending and avoiding discrimination in lending, which represents some positive contribution toward social fairness, perhaps minor in the large scheme of things, but recently brought to the fore as aspects of the great credit crisis that surely could have been better handled by the institution. Over the years, the Fed, so far as I could see, has taken neither regulatory nor monetary policy actions for the specific purpose of favoring particular big bankers or other large financial institutions. Under emergency or highly threatening market conditions, the discount window has indeed been employed to aid large banks and also, latterly, in the great credit crisis, large investment banks and other market institutions. Any actions that did, such as helping bail out a large bank in Chicago, Continental, Illinois, in the mid-1980s, and big investment firms, such as Bear Stearns in early 2008, 
and the insurance group, AIG, in September of that year were taken only because of a perceived threat to the stability of the financial system as a whole. The object was not so much to rescue an insolvent institution from bankruptcy, but more to provide enough liquidity to that institution, whether technically insolvent or not, to protect its depositors and creditors when it is in the interest of systemic stability, while providing time to find a willing buyer of the institution or a part of it at a reasonable price if that seemed necessary.